0: Good morning. Good morning. Am I on? All right. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Are you guys enjoying the heat out there? <laughs> um, so, by the show of hands, how many of you, just this year, have attended a wedding? Uh, a little less than I thought. Okay, so how many of you will be attending a wedding? Alright, so we have much to look forward to then. Uh, Guy and and Becky, <laughs> Becky's not in here, but we're all praying for you guys. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's just me, but it blows my mind how wildly fashionable uh, weddings are these days. Uh, just this year, really. For those who, who do have any kind of social media accounts, they have largely become Uh, These matrimonial platforms, scrolling through its engagement after wedding, after engagement after wedding, after engagement after wedding. There must be love in the air. Or maybe it's simply me, because those who are flooding my social media accounts are primarily from LCU. Love Connection University, that is. You see, you don't go to Lubbock to get a degree. You, get, you go to get married, and hopefully you can snag a degree somewhere on the way. However, if you don't come out with a spouse, you most likely were proactively spraying yourself with human repellent of some sort, a.k.a. you just don't like to shower. <laughs> the thing around LCU is ring by spring. you got to have your ring by spring. But just this year alone, Weddings have seriously been infectious across the country. As a matter of fact, this past Saturday, May the 19th, I officiated my very first wedding. And no, it wasn't the royal wedding. I know it was a shocker to me too. But Mr. Justin Welby was probably a much better fit for that kind of venue than myself. He didn't almost forget to pronounce Prince Harry and Meghan as husband and wife without the rings. That's a true story. I almost did forget. But I had the honor of marrying my uncle Leo and his beautiful bride Sable. Besides me nearly, nearly forgetting about the ring ceremony, things went fairly smooth. But let me tell you, any time a Mexican family has a reunion of some sort, in this case it was the wedding, family just seems to sporadically multiply by the hundreds. I have Alana as a witness for this one. You meet uncles, aunts, cousins you had no idea even existed, let alone that they were a part of your family. Well, at the wedding, I had the privilege of meeting one of my tias from Juarez I had never met before. Excuse me, one of my aunts from Juarez. So (laughs) So as we engaged in conversation, she began telling us her story about when she was crossing the border. Yes, legally. Well, in order to cross, or to even get a permit, you have to have a legitimized reason, right? So as she came up to the checkpoint booth, the border patrol begins to question the purpose of her visit. He asks for her permit, who's in the car, yada, yada, yada. You know, they like to make you so nervous that you even question your own name. Well, the man at the booth questions my visit, and she grievously replies, I'm going to a funeral. So, of course, out of sheer politeness and courtesy and respect, the man at the checkpoint responds with his condolences, saying how sorry he is to hear that, and so forth. Well, after he's done expressing his genuine concern, she looks up at him and says, yeah, they get married on Saturday. (laughs) Apparently for some, marriage is a funeral. Or maybe those who believe that simply have a deluded view of marriage. It truly is intriguing how different cultures view marriage in such different ways. Or even how the views differentiate between ages. You know, it has seemed to me Since Alana and I have been preparing for our own wedding, that it is typically the older, more experienced, more wise, or more gray-headed, same difference, men that always respond with, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) But they are clever, let me tell you, because they strategically pause after they say, oh. Well, of course any naive young man, is going to expect congratulations or that's amazing. Instead they get, oh, I'm sorry. Now, I do say that understanding that most of the time, most of the time, the wise men are just pulling my leg. Because Norm, we know that you really and wholeheartedly do love Carolyn. But you two are seriously an incredible example to us all of the true love that is found within the kingdom of God. I mean, 59 years, 59 years. Carolyn, where's Carolyn? Oh, there you are. I have one question for you. How have you come this far? Norm, you are one very blessed man. And I would stand up here and attempt to tell their story, but I would do it no justice. And trust me when I say, all you have to do is ask Norm, and he will begin telling you his story of how he met Carolyn. And you'll probably hear it ten times after that. But it never gets old. And hear me again. In the short time that I've known you two, you guys truly exemplify a marriage full of love within God's kingdom. And we know that that kind of relationship, it takes work. You see, that is just one example of many that marriages are truly a celebration. A celebration of life. A celebration of love. A celebration of new beginnings. And awaiting new beginnings may cause angst in you. But church, hear me when I say, what a beautiful new beginning We await in Christ Jesus, our Bridegroom. But before we can begin to understand Christ as our Bridegroom, we first have to understand the Jewish betrothal tradition in biblical times. You see, a young Jewish man would propose betrothal by offering a young Jewish woman a cup of wine. He would then say... This cup represents a covenant in blood. And she would accept the offer by taking a sip of the wine, or she would reject it, depending on how strapping the young lad was. Here's the most interesting part, though. They would not drink from that same cup until the night of their wedding. The two would then depart, and most often they wouldn't see each other for up to a year. What was the bridegroom doing at this time? That's a great question. Julia Cheney. Whenever Michael builds you a beautiful piece of woodwork on his awesome lathe, I can bet that it makes you feel loved and cherished and cared for, right? Because we all know that under that deep, tough skin of his, he's full of love. Ladies, who in here would love it if your man built you a room in his father's homestead with his very own hands. Sounds pretty romantic to me. Well, you guessed it. In this span of roughly 12 months, the bridegroom would lace his boots up, strap on his tool belt, and head to work all in the name of love. Man, This really sounds like Orion Gosling and Rachel McAdams kind of love. And what woman doesn't long for that? But this room that the groom was tasked with is called a hoopa. And this hoopa would become the residence of the newlywed couple. Of course, however, as in any good project, a good contractor knows this. You very, very happily and enthusiastically invite the inspector into your project. Please note the sarcasm inspectors are actually the bane of a contractor's existence. So the father of the bridegroom would come in as the inspector and assure the groom that, this, that his hoopah was ready for his bride on their wedding day. The hoopah was only ready when the father approved the completion of it, and there could only be a wedding if the hoopah was completed. <coughs> Thus, during this time... Whenever the groom was asked about his exact wedding day, the young man would respond, Only my father knows. Does that sound familiar? When the room was finally ready, the groom, joined by his family and by his friends, would travel to the young woman's house to claim her as his bride. The groom would typically dress as a priest would dress, a seamless tunic sprinkled with frankincense and myrrh, And if he was a real hunk, he would wear a gold crown upon his head. And then it was time. Remember the cup of wine they first sipped from at their proposal? They would return to the groom's father's house, and they would again sip from that same cup as a way of consummating their marriage. And a seven-day celebration would follow. A seven-day celebration? No big deal. Talk about a grand feast. And for those who have been through the wedding process, talk about expensive. And now for those who are about to become father-in-laws, you guys should really listen here because you'll love this part. The groom, not the parents of the bride, the groom was responsible for providing his guests with food and wine during this seven-day celebration. If my future in-laws were here, I'm not entirely sure if I'd be talking about this tradition. But ironically enough, a traditional Mexican wedding is very similar in that the groom is responsible for the entire expense of the wedding. As you could imagine, when Alana first found out about a traditional Mexican wedding, particularly that the groom is responsible for it, she loved the idea. That is, of course, before I told her that we would then have to have 14 bridesmaids, 14 groomsmen, invite half of Mexico, and half of mariachi band. (laughs) She wasn't about it after hearing that. So just to look at this in retrospect, in a Jewish betrothal tradition, we have this cup of wine, which the young man and the young woman share at the beginning and then um, sip of it again to consummate their marriage. We have the departure for the building and preparation of a room. We don't have the day and the hour that is only known by the Father. We have frankincense, we have gold, and we have myrrh. Church, does this sound familiar? You see, if we remember back to the birth of Jesus... There were three things that the wise men brought baby Jesus' as gifts. What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Remind me what the Jewish groom traditionally wore as he traveled to claim his bride. And just before Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane, he and his disciples are pictured sitting around a table in fellowship with one another. That's one of my favorite pictures. Jesus breaks bread, and they take the bread, and then he takes the cup, and he says, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. What were the words of the young Jewish man as he proposed betrothal? Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, Until that day, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Did you catch that? His words according to John, chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. In chapter 24, Matthew records one of the greatest teaching Jesus delivers to his disciples. As they are sitting upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples come to him privately concerned about his second coming. Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Listen to Jesus' response. See that no one leads you astray. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the sun but the Father only. Only the Father knows. Hear Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Did you get that? We all have a marriage in Christ. And scripture is rich with this truth. Despite what some may believe, marriage is one of the most beautiful unions that is known to us. It stands for something more than just a man and a woman being united. Though the union of a man and a woman is extremely significant, at its deepest level, marriage stands for our relationship to Christ. It is a copy of the original, a metaphor of reality, and a parable of the truth. That is, marriage is meant to be an image of Christ and the church. Church, what a beautiful new beginning we await in Christ Jesus, our bridegroom. May we find ourselves and our responsibilities as his people within this mystery. May we receive and hold fast to the unconditioned, sacrificial love of Jesus. We, church, are his bride. Let's stand and sing.